So the campus ministry, we recently went to the ICMC, the International <laughs> Campus Ministry Conference. This was in Cincinnati, Ohio, slash Covington, Kentucky. All right? Uh, kind of like Kansas City, Mo, KCK. Uh, but it was, it was an incredible time. I, I was sitting there. I got to pray with a sister from the church in Hong Kong. I mean, this is, this is an underground church, right? So this is a, this is a hero in the faith, illegally, being a Christian illegally. It, is, it was incredible. And we had about 55 people from Lawrence there, a little over that. Uh, it was such an inspiring time. And what I wanted to share today was one of the lessons that impacted me the most while we were there. So turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. You know, interesting, this was our memory verse and theme scripture for the campus ministry over the last little over a year. And it says, Nick, you want to just come up and... No? Okay. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, Question for us this morning, what's going on through your mind when you're out in the crowds? You know, for some of us, you know, whether you're shopping downtown, whether you're grocery shopping, whether you're getting gas, uh, whatever. If you're at school, at work, what's going on in your mind when you're in the crowds? Maybe it's, I'm just so overwhelmed right now that I just want to get out of the crowds, right? Or maybe it's like rain, I'm just so annoyed right now, I just want to you know, get this guy out of the crowds. Or maybe it's just nothing. Maybe it's just, I'm not thinking about anything except for what I'm here to do. I'm here to get groceries, that's it, and then I'm going home. You know, the other day I was at the movie theater. I took Kaylee to see uh, Hotel Transylvania for a little daddy-daughter date. It was fun. But I was sitting next to this guy. He looked like uh, Richard Simmons, right? Richard Simmons with tattoo sleeves, basically. And... um, you know, he had like skinny, real skinny jeans, but they kind of hung low, so his oh, booty crack was hanging out a little bit. And uh, so you get a good visual here. You know exactly. So I'm sitting next to this guy. He's got his daughter there. He's got two daughters. And uh, the one was maybe under six, six months old or less, just screaming. All right, just screaming. I'm sitting right next to it. It had been a long day. I had a lot on my mind. I just wanted to come to the movies in peace and quiet. And it's maybe screaming. And, you know, as a parent, you're so much more tolerant to your child's scream than everyone else around you. So probably 20 minutes at a time of screaming, of trying to, and then they would get out, take the baby out, and then come back in and start screaming again. And it, I was just, you know, because a lot of times when I'm in the crowds, I can get really irritated. Like just, oh, my gosh. But I think what we see from Jesus here, what was going on through his mind when he was in the crowds. And he probably had plenty of opportunities to be annoyed, to be overwhelmed, to be exhausted, or to just be focused on what he was doing. But rather, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And that word, it's actually a word that comes from 
the word spleen. So it's not, compassion, not necessarily, oh, my heart goes out, but it's more this gut-wrenching pain for someone. It means co-passion. He was co-passionate. And we heard recently that the probably one of the closest words in our language that describes this is a fury. Not furious at the person, but furious for the person, for their soul. That's what was going on in Jesus' mind when he was in the crowds. And so what did that drive him to do? What we see, he went through all the towns and all the villages everywhere, preaching, healing, teaching, sharing about the good news about the kingdom of God. And then he calls his disciples over, guys, we need help. We need more workers. Let's pray to God to put out more workers into the harvest field. You know, it's really interesting here. This is going to blow your mind. You know what the translation for the word workers is? It's workers, right? <laughs> it's laborers. It's harvesters. It's interesting because it doesn't apply, uh, imply anything sophisticated or skillful. It's literally a harvester. Hey, you, all you need to do is just go out there, pick stuff, put it in a bag, bring it back, get back. It's very simple, hardworking, gritty labor. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus was so passionate, so furious for the souls of the helpless thousands in the crowds that out of that compassion drove him to go anywhere and everywhere he could to tell people about the good news. That life doesn't have to be this way. There's good news. Raise your hand if going out and sharing the gospel, the good news, has ever just sounded just kind of daunting, exhausting, maybe just repetitive. Right, raise everybody. Right, raise your hand. And it does. And it for a lot of us, it may even trigger some emotions from a long time ago, or it's just, gosh, of all the things, like Jesus, of all the things you could have said right before you left, it had to be this, and my preacher just keeps, you know, overkill. I'm like, oh my gosh. But we see from this scripture a key to effectively sharing the good news. Hey. Hey, that's what I'm talking about right there. Come on. That is, I appreciate it. I know what it's like. Amen. But to, today I want to look at a formula that we see from Jesus. A formula to sharing the good news. To where you don't have to be exhausted. To where it doesn't have to seem like this dreadful chore that you don't want to do, but you know you have to do it. And it's not an evangelism problem. It's usually based on compassion. That's what I want to focus on today. We're going to look at the key to being able to imitate Jesus' heart behind his mission. Amen? So we're going to look at these three things. These are the keys to imitating Jesus' compassion and mission. We need to see the need, know the solution, and labor in love. Turn over to 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to give a little background here. 
Okay? What's going on here is the Syrians, or Arameans, very similar, kind of same, same, same territory. They're kind of going back and forth with Israel. And we're going to read specifically about Samaria. At the time, I believe it had recently been established as the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. And so they're going back and forth, back and forth. The Syrians have this plan. They're going to beat up on, the Israel, uh, you know, on Israel. And then God reveals Syria's plans to Elisha. Elisha tells the king of Israel, the king, they escape. And there's just this back and forth frustration, right? The Syrians try to get him. God tells Elijah what's going to happen. Elisha tells the king. They escape. And this just over and over and over. And so the king of Aram, Benadad, is just getting tired of this. But eventually what happens is Elisha spares all these Syrians. So the Syrians are kind of like, hey, Benadad, maybe we should give him a break. Benadad's like, no. And so what ends up happening, they're drawn to Samaria, right? This kind of capital. So anyone that's important in Israel at the time is in Samaria. And it's a walled up city and a famine hits the land. And so Benadad sees this as an opportunity to strike. He says, what we're going to do, we're going to besiege the city. So they bring tons of goods, food, supplies, whatever they need for a indefinite period of time and they set up camp around the city and this was a tactic a long-term tactic of we're just going to sit here we're not going to let anybody out we're not going to let anybody in until you run out of food provisions you name it and either starve to death surrender or it's just a really easy we can come through and just wipe you out and so what we're going to read this morning guys is not very pretty it's not very pretty, but this is a great parallel to what we, what we read in Matthew 9 about Jesus having compassion on the people and driving him to go everywhere. 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 24. Sometime later, Benadad, king of Aram, the same thing as Syria, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for eight shekels of silver and a quarter of cab of seed pods for five shekels. Now, basically what this is saying is it had gotten so bad that a donkey's head was worth a couple hundred bucks and a half a pint of bird poop was sold in the markets. That's what they were resorting to eating. Think about that. That's what a quarter cab of seed pod was. It was half a pint of doves dung. Imagine, even this city, imagine us being surrounded by another national army. There was a famine in the land. We couldn't go in or out. We couldn't get anything else. All the food, everything had run out to where we had resorted to, hey, I've got to go down to the market and get a couple pints, think of those ice cream pints, of bird poop. And that's, that's, what, that's all we got. Think about that. That's kind of what was going on in the situation here. And so the king, the king was walking around the city. He's a very confident king, trying to display confidence for his people. And this lady runs up to him, what we're going to read. And she yells to him, and let's keep reading here. Verse 26. 
As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, If the Lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the flesh, from the threshing floor, or from the wine press? Then he asked her, What's the matter? So this king's walking around, this, this lady asked for help, and he kind of sarcastically replies back. And he's assuming she's asking for food. So he, what do you want me to do? You want me to go get you some grain and some wine? Is that what you want me to do? If God's not helping us right now, what do you think I'm supposed to do? Kind of replies back sarcastically. But he actually was incorrect. It turns out this woman wanted the king to come settle a disagreement she was having with her neighbor. So let's keep reading in verse 28. Then he asked her, what's the matter? She answered, this woman said to me, give up your son so that we may eat him today. And tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. And then the next day I said to her, give up your son so we may eat him. But she had hidden him. This, isn't, this is not a pretty sight. Right? Things had gotten so bad to where one of the solutions was, hey, neither of us are going to be able to breastfeed or nourish our, our young children, so they're going to starve. Let's cook them. We'll eat your son, and then when we're done eating your son, we'll cook my son. Can you imagine? I don't think we can imagine. I don't think those women ever in their wildest imagination, pregnant with joy, would have ever thought, this is going to be a meal for me someday. What a horrible sight. Guys, this parallels to the reality of our societies today. You see this king walking around trying to portray this confidence that, hey, this is going to be all right. And he comes face to face with the reality of, wow, this is how bad things really are. It resulted to cannibalism. Do you see the need? Do you really see the reality of where our world is at, of where our city is at? You know, I read these stats oftentimes to remind me of this, but these are just shocking. According to the U.S. Census, one in four children in the United States are being raised by single moms. One in four. Think about that. Think about walking around the city, every fourth kid you count. One in four. I was at a church recently for Father's Day, and they had, after they recognized all the fathers, they had all the single moms raise up. And there were as many single moms as there were dads that stood up. Now, single moms are absolute heroes. So this isn't anything against single moms. I was just so sad that that was a reality. That's a reality. There's a reported divorce every 36 seconds in the United States. That's 2,500 divorces per day, 17,000 divorces per week, and almost a million divorces every single year. Broken homes aren't broken anymore. They're just homes because it's just the norm. 
Almost 10% of the population of the U.S. suffers from depression. And 40% of college students in the U.S. have reported forms of depression. One in nine college students have made a plan at some point to commit suicide. And there are 120 suicides every day in the United States. 20% of college females will experience sexual assault in their college careers. And one in four college students have reported sexually transmitted disease in the United States. One in four. Most of them don't even know they have it. All that on top of all the racial hatred and injustice that's going on. By the way, that committee that's up here, that is so awesome. Uh, it's encouraging seeing our church evolve and, and grow and learn in areas that we really need to. I'm really grateful for you guys pouring in time to really teach us and lead us in that. So thank you guys. But guys, do you see the need? You know, it's interesting when you read on here, what happens next, the king, he's talking to this lady and he can't help and he tears his garment, his garment underneath their sackcloth and ashes. This was something that was worn by prophets to just show this sadness and depression for the state of God's people. And he had it under his cloak. He was hiding it. He was trying to portray confidence to his people, so he didn't want to wear the sackcloth and ashes on the outside. You know, I think that that's really interesting because I think that that kind of describes America a little bit. You know, we're not any less in need than any other place in the world. We just are really good at covering it up. I'll never forget Megan Hopper sharing with the campus ministry that she volunteered for a suicide hotline. And she was amazed at the amount of fraternity and sorority members and athletes that called that hotline more than any other group of people out there on campus. The people that we walk around and just think, man, they I'll go reach out to the person sitting by themselves that kind of looks, you know, lonely. But those people, they're good, right? I'll leave them alone. They've got about 10 guys that are walking. You know, the, the people, we're just really good at, at covering it up. But do you see the need? You know, we were at ICMC. One of the guys was sharing. He, he leaves a church now, but back in the day with campus ministry, every year he would go to graduation. And he'd go to every single graduation because he wanted to be sobered by all the people that he missed when they were in college. And he saw him walk down, man, I miss, I miss them. I had the good news, and I miss that person. And now they're going to be gone. And I may not see him again, and I miss that person. And he would go pray. You know, when I go pray, I like to go on a prayer walk in a really quiet place. He would go pray out in the busiest part of the city, and he would ask God to open his eyes to the reality of the crowds. Do you see the need, brothers and sisters? The state of our city, the state of our world, is a broken place, even if it doesn't seem like it. We've got to be aware of the helplessness, the hurting that's going on in our city. Amen? The next thing is we need to know the solution. Because the good news is we have the solution. We know it doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to live a life of hopelessness and without any purpose. 
Your marriage doesn't have to end in a divorce. Your kids don't have to be raised without a father. We know this, right? We have the solution. There is a solution. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in the kingdom of God. There's good news. And we, we know all about it right here. And we're living it out. We're experiencing the joys of this good news. What are you doing with that good news? Let's read on in 2 Kings chapter 7. Let's read about this. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, there's a famine there and we'll die. If we stay here, we will die. So, you know, and if, if none of that, we have leprosy. So either way, we're surrounded by death on every side, right? So what are we doing just sitting around here? So what do they say? Let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. They're like, what's the harm, right? We might as well march over there, just gamble a little bit and see if they'll just let us go because we're going to die anyway, so let's just risk it. At dusk, they got up. They went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian king to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp. They entered one of the tents and they ate and they drank then they took silver and gold and clothes and they went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and they took some of the things from it and hid them also. And then they said to each other, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Wow. What a powerful and very applicable illustration to the good news. And you know what I love about this? There was nothing special about these four guys. These were the luckiest losers on the face of the planet, <laughs> right? There were four lepers that literally were surrounded by, like, we go over here, we're going to die. We go over here, we're going to die. We go over here, we're going to die. We stay right here, we're going to die. Let's just go out there, we're probably going to die. And they just stumble upon everyone had gone. It's not like they scared everybody off or they had some really skillful, tactful plan. They were lepers that just stumbled upon a feast and treasures fit for a king. And what do they start doing? And Because this is also very applicable. They are enjoying all these riches for themselves, right? And they're hiding it. Like, oh my gosh, like, we're going to be rich. We're going to be rich. We're going to eat all this stuff we haven't eaten in who knows how long, long enough for there to be no more food in the city. We haven't eaten, oh my gosh, let's stuff our face. Let's take all these clothes. We got gold and silver. We're going to go hide it. We're going to come back. And then it hits them. What we're doing is not right. There's a whole city in need and every second we waste may mean another person starving to death may mean someone else eating their child 
or killing someone else. We can't keep this to ourselves. This is a day of good news. How applicable to us. What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news. Brothers and sisters, are you keeping the good news to yourself? Right? Because I think a lot of us, we get to experience how great a marriage in the kingdom of God is. Marriage is hard whether you're in the kingdom of God or not. But man, we get to, we don't have to wake up every morning wondering, hey, there's a 50-50 shot this thing isn't going to work out. Having the ability to have families raised in the kingdom of God, to have deep friendships, to not be shackled by the chains of sin constantly, to have this freedom in Christ, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, to have purpose in life. We are sitting in here experiencing all this stuff. I think sometimes we're keeping it to ourselves. Keeping it to ourselves. And I think sometimes we need that light bulb moment of, man, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news. Look at all those people hurting back there. We've got to go at once. And so what do they do? At once. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. This is also what's encouraging, guys. God had already done all the work. He did everything, right? What did he do? He made these guys crazy. They thought they heard a large army, so they fled. Yes. These, once again, these losers, they didn't do anything. They were just so lucky to stumble upon this. And guys, I think that that can take off so much pressure. We don't have to come up with the greatest strategy of all time and have the cool, you know, what do we need to do? Let's just go at once and report this. That's, that's it. That was their only, that was it. Let's just go tell as many people as we can. We don't have, I mean, the food's already here. God's already taken care of everything. Let's just at once go and report it. And so that's this third part is this labor in love, right? At once they went. You know, this is the same mindset we see from Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. Out of this deep compassion for the crowds. He went through every town and every village, preaching, teaching, healing, spreading the good news, taking care of people. That labor was driven by his compassion and his awareness of the needs of the surrounding thousands. Brothers and sisters, we've got to be aware of the needs so that we can go labor out of love. Amen? Not for numbers, not for stats, not to get a bigger church. Because it's the right thing to do. What we're doing is we can't keep this to ourselves. That's not right. Let's go at once and report this. And I want to just be honest here for a little bit. I think we are falling into the trap of delegating work to technology and other programs. Right? I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. I, I always remember... Because a lot of guys in my generation, we've seen periods of churches just kind of being stagnant for a long time. And so our minds go to, let's try to figure what's the, you know, what's the newest, coolest trend to try to get this thing jumping. And I remember talking with Ken one time, and I was like, well, we're, I've been having some discussions with guys because I don't know if Bible talks really work anymore. And I'll never forget this. Ken just said, I just don't know if we work anymore. 
And it's true, guys. You can have the greatest social media presence of any church in the world, and nothing is going to replace you walking over to your neighbor and telling them about it. You can have the greatest kids' kingdom child care program curriculum in the world. Nothing's going to make that family happier than what's read in God's word and following it and living it out. Well, if we just had the best kid, the king, then that would draw them in because then they know their kid. You can have the best worship music in the world. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> we do. And you know what's going to keep people coming back? The gospel. It's the good news, the change, the life, and the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. So, guys, we can't fall into this. I'm not, hey, I, I, I have two young daughters, okay? Trust me. I would love to have the best kids kingdom program in the world and i love singing i want the greatest worship in the world okay i want to have the nicest i want all those things right i want to be excellent at whatever we do but we cannot lose track that none of those things can replace work you notice jesus didn't say guys the harvest is plentiful the workers are few ask the lord of your harvest therefore to send out messages on the internet right <laughs> Send out workers into the harvest field. I would be willing to bet every person in here sharing their faith with one person a day will go so much more viral than anything on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But let's be honest, guys. Hard work, the hardest thing about it is it's hard. And I think the, the problem is our motivation sometimes off. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's not, you know, uh, we want to get a big. Uh, but if we had compassion for people, if we really had our eyes open to the needs. Then I think just out of love, we would be willing to go labor just like Jesus. Guys, we've got to get back to just out of love, laboring for the Lord and spreading the good news, you know. I was at the ICMC, got to spend time with one of my heroes in the faith, and he leaves a church that, uh, you know, just in a handful of years has grown from a couple hundred to well over a thousand. Their campus ministry five years ago was 50 disciples. They're now 245 disciples in their campus ministry. And I was sitting down talking with him, and I tried to, I, I quoted him, but, you know, it's from my memory, so keep that in mind. But this is, this is what he said to me. He said, you know what? We aren't the fanciest church. We don't have the best website. Our music is not the greatest. Our building's not the nicest. And we definitely aren't the most organized. But we love people and we spread the good news. That's the one thing we do great. And he encouraged me, don't get distracted by the means. All those things are means to spreading the good news. He said, don't get distracted by the means. Stay focused on why we've been left on earth. We've got good news that everyone needs to hear. That's why we're here. And guys, as we move forward as a church, trust me, don't hear, oh man, we're just going to be the most... I actually visited their church and they actually, it was pretty disorganized when I was there. The thing that I was there for, right? I was like flown in to speak and, hey... I think the class is in 30 minutes. Can I get a ride? Like, I'm at the airport. Oh, man, yeah, let me go find some. You know what? But I show up, and there's like 100 visitors. And I'm like, 
wow. Okay, now, hear me out. I would love to be organized as a church. I would love to have all those things. I'm not, I'm not saying we're not going to have any of those things. But guys, as we move forward, we can't get distracted by the means. Guys, we've got to open our eyes to the state of our city. There are thousands of people in our backyard that are hurting. And we are just lucky enough to stumble upon the solution. As, as a church, let's pull together, let's not get distracted by the means, and let's go labor. Amen. Let's go to work. Not because we're forced to, not because we're guilted into it, but simply just because this is, we can't keep this thing to ourselves. This is too awesome. Amen? So we're going to go to God in prayer. As you go through this week, I want to encourage us, as we're praying and fasting, pray for God to open your eyes to the state of the crowds. Let's all be praying that prayer. And I think that that compassion is going to drive us to labor and love. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much. God, we are so lucky. Oh, my goodness. I think about, uh, I didn't even, I'm only here because some random person talked to my parents. I just feel like the luckiest person in the world. God, I've, I haven't lived a day in my life outside of your kingdom. And it, I'm so fortunate to have the family that I have, to have, I've never experienced friendships that aren't as deep as this, a purpose like this. That's been my entire life, and I am so lucky. I haven't done anything to deserve that. God, all of us were just on the brink of death, and we just decided to surrender, and we accidentally stumbled upon something lucky that changed our lives. And I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to the state of our city, God, to the state of our world, to the thousands that are hurting. I pray that you would open our eyes to the reality of the situation that we live in and that as we are out in the crowds, God, we wouldn't be focused on ourselves, but that we would be hurting, that we would have this fury for the good of other people, that it would drive us to labor, to work. God, I pray that we wouldn't get distracted by the means, that we wouldn't try to delegate Hard work, God, that's something that you have entrusted us with. And we see that from Jesus. We see this love for other people. And he came down and literally gave everything he could to help as many as possible. I pray that we can have that same heart as him. That we would love people so much that we'd be willing to do whatever it takes. God, please strengthen us and energize us. Help us to see the need. And God, thank you so much for the good news that we've stumbled upon. I pray that we would not keep it to ourselves, but that we would go at once and report it. God, we love you so much. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.